Do, 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 do. Here we go. My name's Todd Adams. And this is Kathy. Welcome back to yet another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number 349. And for those of you who have never listened to Zen Parenting Radio, Zen Parenting Radio is a podcast that will help you feel outstanding. And who doesn't want to feel outstanding? And always remember our motto that we say on every single show is that the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. On today's show, we have a wonderful, wonderful, two wonderful people, Deborah Schaus, yes. correct spelling, yes. um, who is a, and her brother, which I'll talk about in a second, is a writer, speaker, editor, and dementia advocate. Uh, her writing has appeared in a variety of publications, some of which we like, mm-hmm. sweetheart, mm-hmm. Washington Post, Huffington Post, Natural Awakenings, Reader's Digest, Newsweek, Woman's Day, Spirituality and Health, which is one of our favorite, favorite magazines mm-hmm. of all time, and Chicago Tribune, Unity Magazine, and you've been in four dozen chicken soup books? That is correct. I didn't even know there were four oh, dozen like chicken There's soup books. There's a lot of wonderful chicken soup. My, my word. And then her, her brother, Dan, is here. What's your last name, Dan? Barnett. Welcome, Dan. Thank you. Uh, and we're going to talk about Deborah's book, which is called Connecting in the Land of Dementia. And we're going to have just a nice little conversation here. And then you're also going to share some personal experiences, right? Yes. Okay. Dan and I will share about what our experiences were with our parents when they were living with dementia. Awesome. Okay. Can I start by saying this? We were just uh, talking uh, about this before we started, is that I know personally um, I have been kind of in that middle place where I'm taking care of young kids and I'm also helping my parents. Um, And I know that there's a lot of people that I talk with and see every day who are having this experience also. Some of them have older kids, but um, really it's that place where that we get to where we realize we're parenting on both sides. And I talk to enough people to know that this topic and this book is really going to be powerful for many um, because there's not enough books about this. There's not enough books about how we care for the ones we love and create a new relationship with them because it can't be the same as it was, especially with dementia. And I was saying that my dad has more, it's more physical limitations, but it's the same kind of situation where you have to um, stay connected by creating a new relationship. Would you agree with that? I I really appreciate what you said, Kathy, because I think if you aren't open to creating a new relationship, then you really miss out. And I think that was one of the things we both had to come to terms with, um, not only with our mom, who was living with dementia, of understanding after a period of some grief and confusion that we needed to really appreciate her as she was, and for me, not trying to drag her back into my reality so we could continue as we had been. But also, Dan and I had a new relationship with our dad, and we became partners, Dan and I, in forging that new relationship because we had an interesting experience where I was in Kansas City. My parents eventually moved up there. Dan was in Tokyo Mm. for part of this time. And even though we were farther apart than we'd ever been, we managed to do this together. Mm. Wow. So um, the starting point I want to do is what is the difference between Alzheimer's and dementia? Because I don't know. It's such a good question. Dementia is an umbrella term. So if you think about walking into an ice cream store, and you see ice cream. And then if you want chocolate, 
you have Alzheimer's. Mm. So Alzheimer's is one of a series of different kind of cognitive impairments you can have. Okay, wonderful. And did, did your parents, and we'll bring you in here, Dan, did your parents uh, have Alzheimer's or no? My mother had Alzheimer's. My dad did not. Okay. Mm -hmm. He got depressed because my mother had Alzheimer's. And what Deb was saying was that earlier, um, you know, trying to, she was trying to bring mom back. Well, dad tried to bring mom back for a lot longer. And then finally he realized, no, I can't do it. Mm -hmm. Well, and you know, that's so, again, such a vital point is that the caregiver or, you know, and again, I know as, as, as the children, we become caregivers too, but their partner as caregiver, there is a struggle there. And what mm -hmm. I say, I always say about my mom with her present, of mm -hmm. course, is it's compassion fatigue. You know, it's that place where they're trying so hard. Um, they are in charge and they are having to forge a new relationship as well. They're having to find a new place. And, and who wouldn't want it to be the way it was before? You know, that whole idea of trying to bring it back to how it was before, I, we've got to get them to where they were before, um, that totally makes sense. And the kids want that too, but really that's not what really needs to happen. It's finding that new normal within the family, right? That's right. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to write this book because we explored a lot of different ways to stay connected with my mom. And as Dan was saying, our dad got really depressed and we tried so many different ways to keep him engaged and to help him uh, through that depression. But we also realized that we had our own feelings. And since we're in holiday times, one of the things that we did to help ourselves when we realized that our holidays were not going to be the same. Mm -hmm. And that was really hard for me. Our mom was a very good baker. And so when it really became apparent that she wouldn't be able to make her uh, butterscotch brownies and her date crumbs, I was feeling really depressed. And so that's where our partnership came in, Dan and mine, is I thought, what am I going to do and how am I going to get over this? So I called Dan and asked him um, if he would make one of those treats because he is a really good chef. Is that and true, Dan? <laughs> it is true. All right. <laughs> Very good. And so one of the things he did was to just bring all of our childhood treats to that holiday. And that was so fantastic. Mom was there with us. And at one point, we were sitting and, um, you know, having dessert. And she said, um, we, she was eating a date crumb, and she said, boy, these are really good. And I really like them. And I said, well, you should like them, Mom. They're your recipe. <laughs> <laughs> so it was one of those moments. But I tell you another thing we did to make our holidays stand out since we there were many things we did together as a family. We played cards. We went to movies. And we knew we weren't going to be able to do that that holiday. So we had a little, I'll call it a story scrapbook thing. We created a story. And one of our stories was called The Little Kitchen That Could. And it starred my kitchen. Do you remember this, Dan? And it starred Dan as the <laughs> chef. So when Dan is not around, my kitchen is a very relaxed place. Yeah and doesn't do much. And so the story was about this world-famous chef coming and the kitchen having to spruce itself up and the pots and pans going all crazy. And so we photographed this story, and it gave us uh, something to focus on 
other the fact that our holiday wasn't going to be the same. And it gave us a family activity. So we took pictures, and we got the pictures printed out, and we collaged them into a scrapbook, and we copied it, and we sent it to our friends and family members. So it was a wonderful family activity that was a new tradition and also let people know we're still here and we're having fun um, in spite of the fact that mom is living with dementia. Was your mom able to participate in those activities? Very much so. Would she uh, give me a level of what her symptoms were, how it showed up and... Or her capabilities. Capabilities, Mm -hmm. right. Well, she was definitely confused and had a lot of repetitive um, behavior at that point. But she, her silliness was coming out, and my dad always had a huge streak of silliness. So she really enjoyed that. And even when we were sitting and collaging and she and dad were looking through magazines, um, it, there was an energy in doing that in a group that she loved and she was able to be part of. Another thing we did to adapt our holiday, since mom couldn't cook on her own, she joined me in the sous chef department. And so she and I and our dad sat around the table and chopped things. And then Dan put all those things we chopped together. So we were, again, we were cooking as a family, and mom was still very much part of it, but in a different way. It was so, like a change of roles, but everybody was still together. Yeah, and we were adapting what she can do. And I think that's a really important thing to not give up on things, to adapt. So what I, uh, when I think of you know the discomfort that comes with seeing somebody, a loved one especially, suffer from dementia, that because you don't know what to do, you, you plop them in, on a couch in front of a TV and you just let them veg out or something like that. And I think what you're saying, Deborah and Dan, Tell me what your experiences were like. Had you had that holiday that a lot of other families may do, which is because of the awkwardness or the loss of who your mom used to be, uh, you kind of get paralyzed. And it seems like you guys took a different approach. Well, we certainly did for a while. But then at some point, we had mom stay at the home because it affected dad so much. Because what he would do is he would try to engage her, he would be constantly looking for, and he couldn't focus in on anything else. Mm -hmm. But this was much later on. Mm -hmm. This is when she was pretty much non-communicative, only vaguely recognized him, didn't recognize us anymore. Mm -hmm. Uh, So this was much later on. So there's stages, Mm -hmm. I mean, until, until the very last moment, we tried to include her, and sometimes she was just there and somebody would sit and my sons would come up and they'd they'd try to engage her and she'd smile and and she would compensate for, oh yeah, no, I know what you mean. Mm -hmm. She didn't know what we meant. Well, and it's confusing for us as adults. I can only imagine the confusion that comes with having younger people around. And how do you explain that to your kids that grandma's still there, but she's different? Like, what do you say? Well, I mean, my kids were older, so (laughs) they, they knew. Um, I don't know. And they and they did know and they we we did explain to them that she was having you know just forgetfulness and to not worry about it. You know one of the things I want to bring up is something that um Dan did with mom and dad and it's about travel. Mom had a long time dream of going to Japan, Mm. which is where Dan happened to be living. And so even though she was living with dementia, he arranged 
for mom and dad to go there. And I think a lot of times people feel afraid to travel when this is going on, but the way he arranged for the trip and helped them through the trip gave them a boost that lasted for years. Can you tell us a little bit about how you did that? At what stage was your mom when you decided to do this? Um, This was in either 98 or 99. She was in and out. She was still mobile, um, but was was a little bit forgetful, would get lost Mm -hmm. sometimes within the apartment. But I, I had a pretty sweet setup. You know, I had a big size apartment in Tokyo, which was, uh, that was, it was a corporate thing. And I, what I did is I had enough miles. I flew them over first class, mm. and they got a bottle of champagne. It was their 50th anniversary, so cool. the plane announced it and all this stuff. And they got out, and they were really happy. And, and then I, I arranged for a number of trips, and um, my Japanese teacher was this really neat very small guy who in his when he was a young man he uh, Helen Keller had come over and they had she had given a class to his elementary school so I mean this guy had a lot of history and so he took them on uh, a tour of like Japanese tea houses and stuff and my father just loved it and then I took them to Kyoto and we walked around and uh, friends of mine had we got it so they made these uh ceramic bowls you know they they did it and mom's was very imperfect but that was fine and she she did her initials on one and the thing that i remember most about that is she would come in and out and at one point my dad we were walking around this you know thousand year old temple and my dad would he would um she had come in for a moment and and dad said franny um i'm losing you and she says, yes, I'm losing myself. Mm. And then she would go back. So she had some, yeah. luc- some lucidity that <laughs> lucidity, just happened to show um, up. And then probably within a year or two, that was, that was about it. Mm-hmm. But, so do you but, think that that trip kind of sustained her for a little bit? I, I think that was a thrilling trip. And I think that it not only sustained my mom, but my dad. Mm. Yes. And just to be... You know, flown first class by their son was such a boost for them. And so, you know, one of the things I really believe, and I learned so much from writing this book and from interviewing dozens of experts all over the world, working with people through creativity and imagination. Because the wonderful thing is, even after the rational mind isn't functioning as well as it might, Creativity is there, and it's often blossoming. So to connect with people through travel experiences, Dan was talking about the um, pottery that mom and dad made through the arts. Pottery, music is an amazing connector through all the stages of dementia, laughter, through cooking, as we discussed earlier, gardening, all these things can go on through the dementia journey, and they don't need to stop. And so I think that is something really hopeful and comforting to people who are caring for those, both professional and family care partners with dementia. 
I actually, that is my favorite part of your book is, and again, it's the theme that goes through the whole thing, but is creativity. And you even talk about improvisation, mm-hmm. you know, like to be, you know, to really just kind of throw things out there and see what works and to, to move with the moment, which is what Todd and I talk about when it comes to parenting too. You know, you've got to be present in the moment. And the most important part of that creativity is the detachment from the outcome of that creativity. One of the stories you share in the book is um, a mother who is doing artwork, and I think it's the dad, and maybe this was a personal story, the dad is wants her to get back into art. And he's like, please help you know, my wife get back into art. But what she ends up doing with the art is very different than what she did before. It was more of... To, to our eye, we would say more of a childlike thing mm-hmm. rather than her old art. But to not worry about the outcome, it's the process of her engaging. So was yes. that a personal story? That was a personal story. And that happened when our family was in Hot Springs, Arkansas. And Dan and the kids and my dad were going off for an adventure. And my mom wasn't up for an adventure. And so my task was to stay with my mom and get her back to painting again, according to my father. <laughs> and so I knew I could do it. I just knew it. And um, I had a, a real um, pressure on myself to make this happen. And it did not. And I didn't understand then what I understand now, which is just the joy of doing whatever a person can do and not trying to push them back to who they used to be. Yes. So I'm... I'm so glad I learned that during my mom's dementia journey because that allowed me to look for the gifts and blessings and to stay connected and to enjoy the connections that we had and not yearn for others. But I did go through a period where I did yearn. Mm-hmm. Of course, and that's the natural grieving yes. period. I think that's the piece that we would definitely, we don't want to jump over is that these wonderful ideas that you have in the book, like, you know, redefining how we take care and accepting the new reality. There's a grieving of the loss of the old reality being gone, which I'm sure both of you experienced. We, we experienced it big time. Pardon the interruption, folks. We'll get back to the show in just a minute, but I want to tell you about our three amazing partners. Are you looking to keep your family in alignment and healthy, ready to consider chiropractic care as a natural way to solve your health problems? Dr. Kelly from the Tree of Life Chiropractic Care has kept our whole family moving on all cylinders for over five years now. She is dedicated to helping families reach their health care goals naturally. Mention ZPR for $20 off your initial exam and get ready to get your power cranked up. You can learn more by going to chirotree.com. Are your kids getting ready to the age where you're thinking about braces? Dr. Kelly will address your dental concerns and how they may affect your overall health, function, and smile. His specialty is treating adolescent children. Many orthodontists straighten teeth, but sometimes it's at the expense of your child's facial development. Dr. Kelly treated our three daughters and specifically how their smiles will develop. John is on the cutting edge of this technology. You can learn more by going to chicagodentistonline.com. And finally, do you have a housing project coming up? Avid Painting and Remodeling is your answer. Jeremy Kraft is the owner and is a good friend. He has the two most important qualities you can ever ask for in a contractor, professionalism and trustworthiness. Jeremy has done so many jobs for Kathy and I, we've lost count. So if you have a project coming up, I encourage you to give this bald-headed beauty an opportunity to earn your business by going to avidco.net. Now, back to the show. The loss of the old reality being gone, which I'm sure both of you experienced. 
we we experienced it big time. The the other thing I think we were so lucky is that we figured out how to be a team in doing this. And that worked so well for us. I've heard of other families who, you know, one person thinks they have to do everything for the parent. I didn't think that at all. And in our family, Dan was Dan being out of town was a, a blessing in a way because I would call Dan. I would tell him, here's what's going on. Here's what I think Dad should be doing. Dad doesn't want to listen to me. Can you help me? Mm-hmm. And he always helped me. He would have a casual conversation with Dad and what usually happened, Dan. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, he was one of those old-school parents who, even though you know, he loves both of his children equally. He'll listen to his son more. Mm-hmm. Um, Interesting, yes. Yeah, and it was just it was just that generation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so even though I didn't say anything differently, mm-hmm. uh, it's just the fact that I was calling and I was this kind of quote-unquote successful guy living the dream in Japan. And mm-hmm. you know, it, it had some cachet, even though in the long run it, it was, you know, it well, was and no instead different. Well, instead of trying to change your dad, you use the resources that are available to you to try to make your family unit work as best they can. And you guys recognize that. We so. did. We did. And, it, and then the other thing that happened is when Dan came in from out of town, it was a huge energy boost. And um, I think that's so important for families to understand that just having the person from out of town come and visit is wonderful for everyone. And I think sometimes people feel shy or awkward when their loved one doesn't recognize them anymore and they feel, what's the use of visiting? There's a great use in visiting. Um, they feel your presence. There's many ways to connect. But also your siblings, your other family members get a huge benefit from your pre- just your presence. Mm-hmm. That's right. It's not just for the person who has dementia or Alzheimer's. It's for the entire unit. And, you know, this is I know this is really specific and it would be different in every family, but maybe you could help. What did you do when you were not recognized by your mother? What, how did you respond to that? What do we, what did you say? And I'm sure it happened quite a bit. Yeah. But how did you respond? Well, uh, the first time I went home and sobbed uncontrollably. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I would understand that. But then um, I just I forgot about. I mean, I didn't forget about it. But then I just went and I I knew my mom knew I was someone she liked, and I was happy about that. So when I went back, I just said, "Hi, mom. It's me, Deb." And um, I didn't care. You know, I knew it wasn't personal. But the first time was very hard, I I have to admit. Yes. Do you have any comments on that? Well, yeah, it was, I had come back. I think, I think you and I had met at Memphis Airport. And we had did a thing where we had the pilot, you know, we did one of those storybooks where we had the pilot and that and we went and surprised mom. And mom, I think mom recognized you, but I don't think she recognized me. And then she started thinking that I was her brother, who was mm-hmm. dead at the moment, mm-hmm. but back in the 40s. Mm-hmm. So she had got, she had kind of regressed, you know, there's some neural pathways that were still open for her, but they were way in the past. Um, and I just, you know, I tried to engage, but, and then I realized, you know, this, this is what's going on. And, you know, the, this is the best it's going to be, and it's going to go downhill from there. And, 
So it sounds like uh, acceptance is a big part of it. I think what Dan just said, go with the flow, that we had a great weekend that time because we all just enjoyed each other's company and we had fun and it didn't matter that mom couldn't open the door. You know, she was inside trying to unlock the door to let us in. Our dad was taking a nap. She couldn't get the door open. Mm -hmm. It was a very sobering moment for us. And yet we went past the sobering moment and, as you said, just adapted to it and still thoroughly enjoyed each other's company. So that, to me, that was one of the many beautiful lessons that we got to learn from our parents is to be there in the moment, to be patient, to see what do you have rather than what have you lost, yeah, and to be grateful. Those were the two words that I was just thinking as I, you know, obviously presence and then going back to that improvisation is what are you going to do with this moment? You know, how are you going to handle this when this is happening? And can you keep moving forward? Can you keep? And then the appreciation. I think a lot of times when you have a family who maybe they aren't dealing with physical or uh, mental, you know, issues, there's frustration and annoyance around things that don't really matter that much. You know, who didn't show up on time or who said this or who didn't bring the right present. And when you have... When you are when you are in a situation where you see everything that's working, you know, you're focused on, well, yeah, that didn't work, but this is working, or we just appreciate that this person's energy is here. I think that's when love deepens. I think that's when our ability to appreciate life deepens. You know, it's the the pain. Nobody wants the pain, but when the pain is there and you are grieving, what do you do with it? And that's why I loved this book so much because, because it's, it's kind of like kind of like a how-to or to look at it a little bit differently than what we're used to, to seeing. To work with it. Yeah. And you use the word hope quite a yes. bit in this book. Well, that's why I wanted to write the book because I think there's what we want as care partners of people who are living with dementia, what all of us want is to stay connected and feel that connection with people we love. And what I learned as I was exploring with all these different people is how possible that is in so many different venues. So it is a how-to book with lots of ideas, including like just listening to favorite music together. It's an amazing idea. Adding singing into your day. And even if you can't carry a tune or don't remember the words, humming helps you deepen your breathing, invites the person in with you. So many little tips in here that don't take away from your time together that you can just integrate into your everyday life. And and it boosts everyone. It's good for the care partner because more and more studies are showing that if you are engaged in music and arts, it helps your cognitive um, mind blossom. Creativity gives you a chance to express yourself And that's something that you lose a lot of times when you're focused on being a care partner, as as we all know so well, is you're focused on the serious task at hand. One of the people I interviewed, Mara Batonis, said, I learned to put laughing ahead of laundry. Mm, And I think that is just such a great comment because, you know, laundry is going to get done eventually. We should be laughing together every day. Well, and I think the reason people go to the place of laundry because people want to be in control. 
You can be in control of folding clothes. <laughs> you cannot be in control of a loved one who has dementia. So I think that's kind of as human beings, we fall into that place. And I think what you're saying is step outside of your discomfort, understand that you don't have a whole lot of control in what's going on and jump in anyways. Yes, uh, really beautifully said about control. And so there's that lovely mixture of things you do have control over. And then the fun of seeing what's going to happen when you don't have control. One of the things that Dan and I tried to do is keep other family members involved. And I think that is important to to give people pathways, um, help them figure out, well, what do you do when you visit? And that's one thing I think the book is going to be really helpful for. If you feel uncomfortable going to visit because you don't know what to do or say, there's so many activities in the book. You can just bring along those ideas with you. But we, we learned the value of having friends and family and trying to actively engage them because they have insights like, one of my friends came to visit mom with me at a time where I was going through a really hard time. And at the end, she said, oh, your mother is so interesting. Well, <laughs> she is interesting. And I hadn't been thinking of it like that. And that stopped me and let me go. She is interesting. And I'm focused on my task instead of who she is as a person. Mm. And you need, and again, that's what support is all about, is you've been using the word as you've been talking, care partner. Mm -hmm. And just for everybody listening, since many of them have not read the book yet, the care partner is the person, and there can be many care partners, who are helping to take care of this person. And you consider yourself a part of the team, a care partner. But it's so important to have that outside influence because Todd is really helpful to me in that way is when I do go see my parents, sometimes I walk out of the situation thinking about what didn't happen or what should have happened. And he will say, what are you talking about? They're having mm -hmm. a great day. You know, relatively, it's all relatively speaking. Well, you and I think to. it's like, as far as dementia though, it's, it's what's so hard about it. And I, I kind of, it, if I have to deal with it, either you know, myself or a loved one, I, it scares me a lot because I can deal with physical stuff, but the mental stuff and like, you know, if my mom who isn't here anymore, but if she had some type of dementia, which she didn't, she had cancer. But the fact that I had decades with this woman as my light for 40 years, and then all of a sudden that light, I was going to say diminished, but maybe we would say changed, changed. a little mm -hmm. bit. It's so, um, the grieving process, and I know we talked about it, I kind of feel like it's worth, you know, repeating. It's, it's a process. You never get over who your loved one used to be. It's just something that needs to change. And I think as human beings, we want things to go back to the way they were. That, that is really beautifully said. And also, um, I agree about the word change. There is a stigma um, with dementia in our society and because we are scared of it. Mm -hmm. And yet it's something like anything else, any other impairment that we come across that we get used to. And one of the things that was really brought home to me as I talked to all these interesting people is how much we are all alike. We all want to have fun. We all want to have meaningful connections. We all want to live a life of purpose. 
and have relationships. And that doesn't stop just because you have a diagnosis of dementia. Mm -hmm. And so the art form, and that was something that Dan and I were constantly practicing, is how do you keep that connection, you know, as things change. And then our other focus was our dad. As Dan mentioned, he had a lot of depression. And so he was someone we were constantly thinking about, right, Dan? Well, I mean, he he had come to that point where they had retired, they had enough money, they were in relatively good health, and then <clears throat> mom gets this, and he he just had this plan of they're going to do concerts, they're going to travel, and all of it went down, you know, in a way that he just didn't want to accept for the longest time. And then when it when he did accept it, he stopped being able to, you know, think about himself. And so that was our struggle and our challenge at the end when he couldn't help mom anymore. The thing that he did that helped mom ultimately was he would be there either every day or three times a week. And so the staff at the home knew that he was such a loving partner that they would take good care of her. Because yes. some, you know, some of these folks obviously are just warehouse. The kids never want to come in. They're depressed. They don't want to do anything with them. They come in for a perfunctory once-a-week thing, and they're done. Where he would go in all the time. And so what we tried to encourage him is, is that take some time off, do some other things that you like, because mom is going to be well taken care of. And... He would listen for a while, and then his, you know, his programming would go back into gear, and he go, "No, I got to go there." Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, and the one bit of wisdom I'll pull out of what you just said, Dan, is that sometimes we have a plan like I'm going to work really hard until I'm 65, and then I'm going to enjoy, and then I'm going to start enjoying my life. Right. And your dad had a plan, and it went upside down when your mom got sick. So, I, I use your experience to remind me that when I get too cheap about taking Kathy to a concert because I don't <laughs> think we have enough money, sometimes there's a balance there, obviously, but... Live now. Live now. <laughs> that's, that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. 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 And that, and that is really, you know, and again, being a care partner, um, you are the care partner for your mother and you are the care partner for your father. And what you learned to do and what he was learning to do was to keep living. You know, that we, you know, part of us, because things aren't the way we thought they should be or because the plan is different, we just want to stop or we just want to, like, you guys, you know, focus in on this issue. But we keep living. And how do we keep living? And, again, these are the things that, you know, you guys have been saying. Laughter. And it's the basics and creativity. We almost go back into that childlike state. And I don't mean it's childish. Mm -mm. I mean, we tap back into this thing that a lot of adults lose, mm. you know, that sometimes can only be brought back out through pain or a struggle, which I know those words make people super uncomfortable, but beneath that, you know, and Todd used the word fear, there is opportunity. Mm -hmm. Because uh, I'll ask this question. Your mother has since passed away, correct? That's correct. What year did she pass away? Uh, 2004. And how about your dad? He passed away earlier that year. Earlier yeah. that year. Yes. So do you guys still carry some of these things that you learned through this experience with you? Like, do you still laugh today? And, you know, like, tell us about that. Like, how are you different? You want to talk about the uh, yoga. This thing oh. to me. Well, one of the things we did, and I actually learned this from the book. Um, I was so lucky when I was researching the book. 
I interview Dr. Madan Kataria, who is the founder of Laughter Yoga. He's in Mumbai, <laughs> India. And so I was kind of nervous about our Skype interview, and I was prepared. I wanted him to know I was a serious journalist on a serious mission. So when we first talked, I started asking him a question. He said, Deborah, do you know the ha-ha chorus? <laughs> and I said, no, Dr. Kataria, I don't. And he said, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> <laughs> and that's exactly what happened. And so I fell in love with this idea of laughter yoga. So this Thanksgiving, we had a laughter yoga class for our family. There's no yoga postures. It's all about laughing. <laughs> we had a teacher in Kansas City where we gathered. We dedicated the class to our mom and dad. Our Thanksgivings are always dedicated to mom and dad. And it was so much fun to have this laughter together as a family. And it was part of that was from the book. And and so when you said, you know, you have used this with your your parents, mm-hmm. we have we have incorporated a lot of the ideas into the book, into our lives, because we often don't make time for creative expression in our very busy lives. And it's so important to do that. And it's so much fun to yes. do it. Yes. Um, so you guys have a time constraint. So we only have a few minutes left. Is there anything that you wanted to make sure that you said? Because we do have, you know, a a decent audience listening that are interested in wisdom about dementia. Is there anything that you wish you would have said that we didn't give you a chance to say? What a great question. Well, I think um, I think care, being a care partner is one of the most creative things you can do. And one of the things that really helped me is I had a list of 10 one-minute things that cheered me on, and I tried to do one of those at least every day. And the list was as simple as uh, making a one-minute collage to eating a piece of chocolate (laughs) to reading a magazine article, but just to keep that going. And then um, to include your family in it. I think one of the things that was so meaningful for me and my dad and Dan is our new partnership we formed around caring for my mom and how Dan and I were able to work together as really a beautiful team in doing what each of us was good at doing and really appreciating the other person for it. Mm. I so appreciate you guys sharing your story because this is a personal story. And um, what you have done is taken an experience that was challenging and where you obviously grew a lot and you're offering it to other people. Um, So thank you so much for coming here and being in the studio and talking with us about this book. The name of the book, actually you have two books. We didn't talk about the first Mm -hmm. one, Love in the Land of Dementia and Connecting in the Land of Dementia. Uh, it's Deborah Schaus, and the website is dementiajourney.org. Yes, and I have a weekly blog I write, and so I love people to come um, experience that and share ideas with me. Awesome. Well, we are so grateful for Deborah and Dan to come here and help us with this very important topic. So, bless you both. Yeah, thank you. Thank, thank you. you we enjoyed much. it. Take care. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening. We appreciate it, and we hope you'll join us next time. 
If you're a fan of Zen Parenting Radio, consider leaving us a review on iTunes. This helps people find us. You can also just tell a friend about our show. That's our favorite kind of marketing. Todd and I do speaking engagements about Zen parenting and self-awareness, so if you have an interested group or organization, contact us at comments at zenparentingradio.com. And get your early bird tickets for our big Let's Get Real Zen Parenting Conference February 24th and 25th at the Westin in Lombard. Todd and I will be speaking Friday night, and we have Rob Bell, Rosalind Wiseman, and Ali Smith as our keynotes on Saturday. If you want to know more about self-awareness or conscious parenting, pick up one of Kathy's award-winning books at zenparentingradio.com or Amazon. If you're a guy, I have two resources for you. I coach guys. It's called Coaching for Guys. <laughs> On the phone, Skype, or in person, we set goals together and come up with a plan to meet those goals. The website is toddadamscoaching.com. And we also have a monthly men's group. So if you're looking for a group of men to have authentic conversations with, check out the tribemensgroup.com. If you ever shop on Amazon, you can help us out by first going through the Amazon link on our homepage. It doesn't cost anything to you, but we get a small commission from Amazon. If you want an amazing vehicle to teach your kids about money management, go to the lower right-hand side of our homepage and click on the FAMZOO logo and enter Zen Finance as a promo code. I want to give a special thanks to our three partners, Tree of Life Chiropractic Care, John J. Kelly Dentistry, and Avid Painting and Remodeling. Thanks for your love and support. Keep on trucking.